You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, High Ridge Church family. How y'all doing this morning? So glad to see all your beautiful faces. Listen, you could have started the week anyway, but you chose to spend it in the house of God, and I think that is a great decision, amen? Amen. I'm so glad that you're here. If you would like to, we're gonna go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter four. That's where we're gonna start in scripture today. And as you probably have noticed, I'm not your tall, dark, handsome pastor. I am the wish.com version of him. Um, And so I am short and pale, and we'll see how it goes. So my name is Pastor Zach. I'm also known as the announcement guy. Uh, I'm an associate pastor here, and I oversee all student ministry online. Hey, everybody, glad that you're here, and uh, creative ministries as well. And, you know, our church is incredible, but those three things are my people in those three things, students, online, and creative. Uh, All of our volunteers, all of our staff, just they're incredible. They make my life fun, and I'm so glad to be a part of this church family and get to do life with you guys. And so... Um, I want to start by honoring Pastor Tim and Tina. They're, they're still away vacationing, and it is well-deserved, but um, I would not be where I am in, in, in my life without their leadership, without their guidance, without their counsel, and they have done such an incredible, incredible example for me and my wife, showing us what healthy uh, relationships look like, showing us how, how to lead well, how to love well, and they carry a lot but they do it so, so incredibly well. And so I'm just so thankful for them. And I've, I've said it a hundred times before, and I'll keep saying it. They are the most incredible leaders that I have ever known. They are the healthiest leaders I've ever known. And I'm so grateful for their leadership. And then just the, the, the second person that I want to honor is my wife, Taylor, who I wouldn't be where I'm at without you, not even close. Uh, I would be in prison. Uh, she, she, is, she is made away. God said, you know what you need? You need Taylor Vaught. That's who you need. And so I'm so thankful for you, and I love you so much. And so, so I, real quick, we're not going to stay here, but who here is married? So we're going to talk to the single people, too. Everyone's single's like, here we go. Here we go. No, but everybody that's married, you know that when you first get married, you've got to figure some things out, right? Like the first couple months, first six months, you're kind of trying to identify what am I doing, what are we doing, and what are they doing, right? You're trying to, you're trying to tr- kind of classify, like, what are the things that I'm going to bring to the relationship? What are the things that they're going to bring to the relationship? And who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Who's naturally more gifted at these things so that I don't have to do them, right? <laughs> and so, so um, and it's so funny because in our, in, our, in our marriage relationships, it's like that, but it's also that same way in our friendships and our working relationships. And, you know, who here, like, you are, like, you have friends that they're the, they're the safety net, they are the stability, and you're the fun. Like, where are my fun people at? Where are you at? Come on. Hey, yeah. There you are. So glad that you're here. And uh, so it's their job, or it's your job to make sure that their life is interesting, right? It's their job to make sure that you don't go to prison, right? And so it's this really great symbiotic relationship. And it was, it was funny because I was talking, uh, before my wife and I got married, 
like seven or eight years ago, yeah, eight years ago, I was visiting with one of our elders here at the church, and I was asking him for some marriage advice. This guy has one of the most healthy marriages that I'd ever seen, and I was like, I'm going to get some counsel from this guy. And So I asked him, I said, hey, how do you and your wife handle conflict, right? It's a very good question to ask. It's a question a lot of people don't ask, and they realize that they're really cute, sweet, beautiful wife gets really angry and turns into like the Tasmanian devil, right? When in, in moments of conflict, it's like, okay, I thought everything was great and now I'm running and locking myself in a closet, right? So, so understanding how to work through conflict is really, really important. It was funny because he, he, he started describing that the biggest area of conflict that he and his wife had when they first got married was he thought she was taken out the trash. She thought he was taken out the trash and the trash didn't get taken out for like three weeks, right? Yeah, it was not good. And so it blew up in their face. But also, that was the biggest fight they've ever had in their life. So I'm like, okay, you're perfect. I have incredibly high standards to live up to now. So for me and my wife, what we did was we decided to start a business. Or let me rephrase that. I decided to start a business when I had no business starting a business, right? Anybody ever been told, you ain't got no business doing that? Yeah, my dad used to tell me that all the time when I was growing up. I'd want to go play, and he'd be like, you don't have no business doing that. I was like, yeah, because I'm not going to conduct business. I'm going to have fun, right? And so, but sometimes there's, there's things that we do that we don't have no business doing. And for me, that was starting a business. And it was funny because I thought my job was to run the business, which, by the way, I was incredibly overconfident, had no idea what I was doing. None, right? Uh, and I thought her job was to be good with it. Like, okay, yeah, cheer me on. Like, yeah. Well, what I realized was that I didn't know how to do my job, so I'm kind of glad that she knew how to do my job. Um, and, and she was uh, wildly more intelligent and thoughtful in that season of our life than I was. And um, here's what I learned from these experiences and from these conversations. If you're taking notes today, you may want to write this down. Assumptions about the responsibilities in a relationship leads to frustrations in the relationship. Assumptions about the responsibilities in a relationship leads to frustrations in the relationship. So that leads me to the title of my message today, which is a fun one. It is, oh, I thought you were going to do that. (laughs) Oh, look at your neighbor and say, oh, I thought you were going to do that. I thought you were going to do that. And so how many of you have found yourself in this position before to where you assume that someone was going to do something or they were going to act a certain way and then you get into an environment and it doesn't happen that way? Like, like remember when you were kids and you and your, you and your sibling would get in a fight and, and you would accidentally hurt them and you're like, hey, be cool, be cool, be cool. I'll give you money. Hey, don't tell mom, don't tell dad. Like, like it's going to be fine. And you think... They give you like the head nod, like, yeah, and then they get the money, and then they go to the parent, and they just like melt down all over again, and you're like, I thought we had an agreement, right? Those types of things happen, and so I'm a big believer in clarity. I think that in life, you, we need to have clarity, like, what's the next step, what are the next things, what's the next thing that we're doing, like, figuratively, but then also literally, like, if anybody has ever ridden with, ridden with me in my truck, I'm weird about how clean my windshield has to be, right? Anybody else like OCD? No, just me. Okay, cool. All right. And so, so I'm a big believer in clarity. And I think that one of the best ways to establish clarity in relationships is to have what we like to call a define the relationship moment. 
Anybody ever had a define the relationship moment before where you sit down with somebody and you say, okay, what are we? What is this? And how is this going to work? Right? And so we could spend the whole day talking about this in regards to relationships. It's kind of funny. It's kind of fun. Uh, But I don't want to do that today because I don't like being funny or having fun. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, My goal today is to help us all have a define the relationship moment with God is to have a define the relationship moment with God. And I think most of our spiritual frustrations come from a lack of understanding or unmet expectations from God. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is this, what is is God responsible for and what am I responsible for? In our our walk with God, where is he gonna do the heavy lifting and what, what am I called to do in that relationship? And so I'm gonna say this one more time. Incorrect assumptions about the responsibilities in a relationship lead to frustrations in that relationship. And the truth is, I don't know about you guys, but I've had some really incorrect assumptions about God, about my relationship with God. And as a pastor, I get to see lots of people that maybe are walking in this relationship with God with some incorrect assumptions. And what that leads to is a lot of frustration, right? God, why are you not doing things the way that I want you to do them, right? Which that's kind of funny in and of itself because it's like, you know, he's God and then here I am. And so it's it's funny because in student ministry, I've seen this so many times with young people and they, they give God ultimatums. You know, it's like, God, if you don't do this this way by this time, I'm done, right? And we have to come back into focus and realize that Number one, he's God that created heaven and earth, and that I can't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time, right? And so if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down as well. And this is my life quote. I have a life verse, and I have a life quote. And most people have life quotes because they're really good at whatever the thing says. Not the case here. So, so let me just give this to you. Here's the quote. Pray as though everything depended upon God, and work as though everything depended upon you. And so today, as we talk about praying and we talk about work, please know that you can use the word work, but you can also exchange it for the word or the words faith steps, okay? So we're going to talk about faith steps that you're responsible to take, work that you're responsible for. And I'll be honest, I wrestle with this all the time. And what, am I, what exactly am I supposed to be praying about? What exactly am I supposed to be working on? What am I praying about that God wants me to work on? And what am I working on that I need to be praying about, right? And so I I just feel like I'm just mixed up all the time. But but I I wanna start today by bringing you three incorrect assumptions that we bring to our relationship with God, okay? So three things, three ways we totally screwed up, okay? And guess what? You all fit into these categories. Welcome to the club. So um, number one, um, I should just pray and God's responsible for everything, I should just pray and God's responsible for everything. And so when the thing about starting your own business, and the most of the time the reason that people start their own business is that they are tired of people telling them what to do, <laughs> right? I am sick of having a boss. I don't want somebody telling me what I'm supposed to do. But then what you don't realize is then when you actually do start your own business, you don't have anybody telling you what you need to be doing. <laughs> and so 
you're like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be making business cards? Or am I supposed to be filing for an LLC? Am I supposed to be opening a bank account? Am I supposed to be going and get the, getting the business? What am I supposed to be doing? Right? And, and it's so funny because a lot of times I would find myself here to where I didn't know what to do. Anybody ever been overwhelmed and then you, you decide in all of your wisdom, you know what we need right now? We need a nap. We need to go to sleep. Like, right? When actually you had a thousand things you needed to be working on. Well, I think sometimes we take that same approach in our prayer life. Where it's like, I don't necessarily know what my next step is, so I'm just gonna just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. But we have to acknowledge a couple things. So number one, first question is, should we pray? Yes, we should pray, right? But Zach, should I pray about everything? Yeah. And so in Philippians chapter four, this is where we're starting in scripture, verses six through seven says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. So let me just confirm what I'm already saying. We should absolutely 100% pray about everything. But here's the mistake that we make. We pray and then it ends there. We throw the outcome entirely on God. We pray for our children to love and follow Jesus, but we don't lead them. We don't pray for them or pray with them. We don't make our own spiritual health a priority and then we're confused as to why they grow up and don't make their relationship with God a priority. We pray for our spouse or pray for our relationship, our marriage, but we don't encourage our spouse. We don't connect with them, we don't pray with them, we don't go above and beyond in that relationship. We pray for patience and then God gives us children. And, and you ask for it, right? And that's what he does, okay? so. But we snap at the first inconvenience or we snap at the first time that things don't go our way. We pray for revival in our city and in our nation, but we don't organize it or plan for it. We pray for financial provision, but we don't learn new skills or bring our best to the workplace. So we pray for a certain outcome, but then we don't assign any value whatsoever to what God is counting on us to bring to the table. And there are so many times in scripture where we see men and women of God praying to God but then they are responsible for carrying out what's next. They're responsible for the next faith step. I'm gonna give you some examples. Moses encountered God, had a, a full-blown encounter with God, but then he had to actually go do the ministry to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, right? Noah encountered God, but then he had to go do the work to build the ark. David encountered God, but then he had to actually go tend to the sheep, fight the lion, the tiger, and the bear, had to go fight the battle against Goliath. Abraham encountered God, got a word that he needed to sacrifice his son. The very next day, what is he doing? He's packing up, going to sacrifice his son. In the book of James chapter two, James does a really great job describing the details of how this all shakes out and what this relationship looks like. And so James chapter two, verse 18 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. James 2.20 says, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So what he's saying is that our works should follow our faith, right? And so probably the most controversial scriptures here are verses 24 and 26. Verse 24 says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in verse 26, it says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. 
So what is he really getting at? What is he trying to communicate here? He's saying that true faith leads to works. And so one thing that I wanna make perfectly clear is that your salvation is not earned through works, right? Don't anybody want anybody leaving here saying, Pastor Zach said, no, Pastor Zach did not say. So our salvation is a free gift from God. And it also tells us that it's not by works so that any of us could brag about it. None of us could boast about it, right? There's nothing that you can do to earn more salvation. And there's nothing that you could do to earn more love. Or there's nothing you could do to earn less love from God, right? But when we talk about works and what we're responsible for and faith steps that we're responsible for, a lot of people have the assumption that faith plus works equals salvation, and that's not true. It's your faith is what leads us to a response to what the goodness of God, our salvation, and then your faith coupled with that produces fruit, produces works, produces faith steps in our lives, right? And so, so uh, the true faith will produce fruit. And if your faith is real, it will lead to and produce good works. Where we go wrong is we assume that God is gonna make our challenges and obstacles go away when we pray, right? And then when it doesn't, you get frustrated, right? It's like we think that since we're, 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 we're walking through a difficult season, we're gonna pray and just, and it's gone, right? If only it were that easy, right? But just a reminder here that God is not in the easy business. He's in the making you holy business, right? And so sometimes the very thing that you're praying against is the very thing that God's gonna use to shape you to look more like him. And so... Uh, What scripture seems to show us is that what God wants to do is walk beside us and show us his faithfulness as he empowers us in situations that we can't handle on our own, that we we couldn't do on our own. And that's that's where God really gets glorified. And so we pray to connect with God, to be empowered by his spirit, but then we go and we do the work that he still has for us to do. We take the face steps that he's asking us to take. So here's the second incorrect assumption that we have about our relationship with God. I just need to work harder because I'm responsible for everything. And so people that work really hard are proud that they work really hard. I would like to think I'm a hard worker. So where are all my hardworking people at? Let me see your hand. You're proud of your hard work, right? You're, you're proud of your established work ethic. It is something to be proud of. But here's the, here's the truth, is that when we build all of our, the vision for our life and the success of our life off of what I can do with these two hands and by the sweat of my brow, I neglect two things. Number one, I neglect the power of prayer. And number two is I neglect the Sabbath. I neglect the command that God has given us to rest. And the reason that we do that is we truly don't trust that God is gonna provide for us. That's why we do it. If we get down to the core of it, if it is to be, it's up to me, right? So we're just gonna work ourselves to the bone. And you, you know, it's really funny because um, I was looking at some stats the other day preparing for this message. And number one, I love food, so I was looking at food stuff. And uh, I was looking at Chick-fil-A and looking at McDonald's and looking at Taco Bell and KFC. And I just wanna talk about something that's really funny. You know, obviously Chick-fil-A is God's chicken. It's been blessed. It's been appointed by God. It's been, uh, they don't cook it in, uh, in canola oil, that cook it in anointing oil, right? And so, um, but what is funny about Chick-fil-A is that they s- establish their organization on the Sabbath, 
That is a foundational part that frustrates every Christian person across the nation because all we want to do is go eat Chick-fil-A when we get out of church, but we can't. So, but it's a good thing. I'm cool with it. You're doing what God called you to do, and you're honoring the Sabbath. They've established their business on, on godly principles, on a godly foundation. And what's really cool when we look at the success of Chick-fil-A is that each Chick-fil-A store does twice as much revenue every year than every McDonald's store. Every Chick-fil-A location does twice as much revenue and they do it in six days as opposed to McDonald's seven. Right? So what does this tell us? That I would rather have six blessed days than seven that aren't. Right? And so, and I, I just want to remind you for a moment that there is power in prayer. We talked about the Sabbath, but the other thing that we neglect is the power of prayer. James chapter five, verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And write this down if, if you're taking notes. There are things that God can do in an instant that I can't do through a lifetime of hard work. There are doors that he can open there are floodgates of heaven that he can pour out. There are opportunities that he can make available in an instant through inviting him into your life and inviting him into your work and inviting him into the steps that you're taking that you can't do through all of the hard work that you can muster. Uh, here's the kicker, though, is you don't know what those things are. You don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew. It's like, God, I got this covered. I'll pray for these three bullet points. You get those, right? But that's why we should pray about everything. Um, one of the things that I, I've always adored about Pastor Tim, and I've also been equally annoyed by, is his ability to get so much accomplished by doing so little. You know anybody like that? That it's like, it's like they just think of an idea and it unfolds in front of them, right? Like it's like everywhere that they go, like a red carpet rolls out and says, hey, very nice to meet you. Glad that you're here. We're, we're prepared. We're ready for you. And, and it's funny because as I was thinking about this, and I've, ta I've told Pastor Tim this, I was like, man, you just get so much done. How do you do it? And the reason is because he understands the value of prayer. He understands the power of inviting God into every decision, into every, he, he has set such an incredible example for all of us and what this looks like. And as I was thinking about this, God kind of gave me this visual. It's like, imagine that we all have to go dig this ditch, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm the hardest worker in the room, right? I'm the motivational speaker guy. And so I get out in the ditch and I'm just digging it with my bare hands, right? Well, PT shows up three hours late, hops in the, in the backhoe, makes a couple scoops, and he's like, all right, see y'all later, right? And the, the backhoe, the excavator, that represents the power of having God on your side, inviting God into what it is that, that you're called to do. And so uh, many of you know this verse, but it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Or don't just lean on your own work ethic. Yes, you should work and you should work hard. You should be proud of it. But it can't be the only thing that we have. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So bring God into the conversation. As Christ followers, prayer should always be our first response and not our last resort. And so as Christians, we work smarter by letting God do the heavy lifting and inviting him into our story. Here's the third incorrect assumption I bring into my relationship with God. I don't work or pray because God's just gonna do whatever God wants to do, right? Here, another way to say it is I don't continue to work or pray 
because God's just gonna do whatever he wants to do. And, and it's funny, I look back at when I, when I started my business uh, a lot, six years ago now, and one character trait that I really lacked was just consistency, just the character trait of showing up and bringing my best every day. And I would have a couple days where I'd pray really hard, and then I'd flip-flop, and I'd have a couple days where I'd work really hard, and then I'd have a couple days where I didn't do anything very hard, right? And th- there was, I didn't continue to trust God on a daily basis, bring it before God, and I didn't continue to work and bring my best. And this is a, an incorrect assumption because it assumes that our efforts and our prayers don't affect us and they don't affect God, right? And this is kind of a controversial topic if we really dive into this because if God's will is perfect, then why would I wanna change it through prayer, right? Kind of a, a, kind of a deep question. The Bible tells us also that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, kind of like y'all's husbands. He just, he ain't changing, right? He's a, he's a same, right? Yeah, he's the same as he was 20 years ago, yeah? So, so here's the deal. When we talk about this and we look at this, I, I kind of wrestled with this for a minute because I didn't want to give y'all bad theology, right? Um, but there's a perfect will of God for your life, uh, a big picture will of God, a thing and a calling and an anointing that rests on you. The Bible tells us that your calling is irrevocable, which means that God gave it to you and no matter how, how much you scrub, you can't get that off of you, right? But there are a lot of paths that can be taken to get there. And based on what I see in scripture, based on scripture, there are countless times when somebody prays to the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he chooses a different path, he changes his mind, or he relents on behalf of the people that prayed. And so in the book of Amos, we're gonna look at uh, chapter seven, verses one through three. This is kind of a vision uh, that they were having. And it says, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested. And just as the late crops were coming up, when they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So he prayed on behalf of what was happening. Verse three, so the Lord relented, aka changed his mind. This will not happen, the Lord said. We look at uh, the, the story of Jonah. We know that Jonah, God came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach for them to repent. Otherwise, I'm gonna destroy their city, right? Jonah chapter three, this is the king's response Verses eight through 10, after Jonah had had preached. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. And so what am I getting at with this? These are just two of many stories in the Bible where we see the power of prayer and changing the path of the will of God. Now, again, long-term will of God, unchanging, but the path changes. So what am I getting at? God hears your prayers and he cares about the details of your life. And if we said that, well, the will of God is is the will of God and we can't change it, what does that do? It diminishes your prayer life. It diminishes the fact that God knows you intimately. He cares intimately about everything that you have to say. Okay, so Zach, what you're saying is that if I pray, then God's gonna answer my prayer the way I want, how I want it, when I want it answered. No, unfortunately. That's another assumption that we bring to God that's wrong. We need to be reminded of the fact that he's God. 
He knows, the Bible tells us that his ways are above our ways, right? That's who he is. He, he spoke everything into existence. I would lose my head if it wasn't attached to my shoulders. If my body didn't automatically breathe, I would forget to do it, right? So I have to put myself in, where I, I humbly approach the throne of God with my requests, right? But there are examples of prayer changing God's mind. But sometimes the power of prayer isn't in the fact that it changes God's mind, but that it changes yours. When we look at Jesus right before he went to the cross, we find him in the most stressed out, anxious position that any human has ever been in, right? We find him in a place where he who knew no sin was about to carry every sin of the entire world for all of eternity. He was about to be beaten and tortured and mocked and hung on a cross and murdered for sins that he didn't commit and he's honestly struggling with it, right? I can't imagine. And when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion, Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. We've, we've all been there like, God, I don't wanna do this. I don't like this situation. I don't like what I'm having to face. But what Jesus modeled for us so well was this next sentence, and he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, he's basically saying, Father, in my flesh, I really don't wanna do this. I can't handle this. I don't know that I'm built for this, but in my heart, I know that you know what's best and I will do whatever you say because of who you are and how much I know that you love me. As we all know, God did not change his mind in this scenario, but what happened was that Jesus's will aligned with the will of the Father even though it was something that was incredibly difficult to do. So sometimes the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. Sometimes the best thing that you're gonna get out of prayer is your mind changing. And sometimes you need it, right? How many times have I prayed for something that a year later or two years or five years later, I realized that the very thing I was praying against was the very thing that changed my life, right? And so my final point I have for you today, so I've given you the three ways that we all screw up, right? So let me, let me tell you how to redeem it, right? So this is what your relationship and your expectations with God should look like. And it goes back to the quote that I shared earlier. I pray as though it's all up to God and I work as though it's all up to me. I pray as though it's up to God. I pray about everything. I pray earnestly. I bring all my requests to God. But then as I step out of my door and I take on my day and I, uh, I go and I, I face the challenges that I'm, that I'm walking into, I bring my best to every scenario, to every situation. And so we had a, we had a, a, ser a sermon series called Life in the Sweet Spot. Remember that sermon series a little bit back, a while back? I remember it because we always had candy. We always had candy uh, and a lot of it, right? And so for me, this is what life in the sweet spot looks like. It's this, this, this relationship with God to where I know that by consistently inviting him in and then by consistently bringing my best and taking the face steps that he's asked me to take and doing the things that he's asked me to do, that when, when it's me and God doing this, the will of God is gonna just move at lightning pace. It's just whatever it is that you're asking for, whatever it is that God wants to do, when we fall into obedience and alignment with what he's asking us to do, and then we invite him into it, man, it's a powerful thing. And so 
And this final point, I just wanna make it clear. I wanna give you just a couple real quick practical examples of what this looks like. Like, how do you actually do this, right? Because I, I, there's nothing worse than a really good, inspiring message with no practical points, right? So let me give you some, practic- pr- some practical things that you can do when, when we talk about this. And so you wake up every day, you bring it to God. You wake up every day, you bring it to God. As you go out into your day, keep bringing it to God, right? Like sometimes we have this tendency to like, we segment our days. We're like, okay, God, you can have this, but I got this. And God's like, you ain't got that. Why don't you let me help, right? And so, so we invite God into every part of our day, but then we bring our best and we take practical steps. What can we do? So in your marriage, in my marriage, in our finances, in um, our health, in our, um, you know, our workplace, bring those things to God, right? God, we're struggling financially. Provide, be the God, Jehovah Jireh, be our provider, right? And here's the deal. God can do a lot through your prayers. But then, don't just sit there on your hands, right? Like, let's figure out a way. Let's put a plan together. God, give me wisdom to make wise decisions, right? In our marriage, let's not just pray for God to fix our marriage. God can, in an instant, change the heart of a man or a woman. But what else can we do to change our marriage? We can, we can uh, be more intentional. We can put our phones down, right? We can um, plan date nights. We can go to marriage counseling. We can, there's so many things that we can do practically that sometimes we just use prayer as a scapegoat to take no personal responsibility, right? And so I'm not here to beat you up or condemn you or make you feel bad for areas that you haven't done that. But I think that there's some of us that fall in this, in this room and online that, that we are really prayer heavy and we're, we got that figured out. We invite God into everything, but there are faith steps that God is waiting on us to take, right? And then there's some of us that are taking steps way out in front of God. And God's like, you never asked me. He never prayed about it. You haven't asked for any wisdom since, right? And so, so th- if we can do it, like this, we go from, oh, I thought you were gonna do that, to, okay, God, if I know fully what you're asking me to do, if you've made clear the faith steps to me because I've been talking to you in prayer, and I know, and I'm inviting you into all those situations, we got this, right? So that's all I've got for you today. You can go ahead and put up your notes. You can go ahead and put up your devices. Um, but we're gonna respond to this and and with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I think, you know, I think some of, all of us fall into one of these categories, you know, where, where it's like, you know, I know that my, my prayer life is strong, but what faith steps are God, is God asking me to take? And for some of us that you're the blue collar, you're the, by the sweat of your brow, by the work of your hands, you're gonna get it done. I wanna encourage you that, there's a God that can do way more in an instant that you can do in a lifetime of hard work. So to invite God into the work, into the faith steps. So right now with all of our heads bowed, all of our eyes closed, if you're here and you feel like you fall into one of those categories that you struggle with this, can I just see your hand all over this place? Hands all over the room. Thank you for being honest. And so right now, as we pray, I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit would just make very clear to you the next faith step that you need to take or maybe the thing that you need to pray about that you've, you've been neglecting. So Lord, we love you. We thank you that, that today is a day of clarity. I thank you that today there are things 
that we have been praying about that you've been waiting on our face steps for. And I pray that there are things that we have been taking steps way out in front of you and we have not invited you into the situation. Father, I pray that you'd give us clarity. Father, that there would be this balance between prayer and faith steps, prayer and work. Lord, help us to do what you've called us to do. There's one more group of people that I wanna talk to today and that's those of you that are here that would say, you know what, Pastor Zach, if I'm being honest, I don't have a relationship with God but I want to. I just wanna encourage you that you're, you're exactly where I was. And somebody loved me enough to just lead me in a simple prayer that's just an introduction to Jesus. It's not an introduction to High Ridge Church or formalized religion or Christianity. It's an introduction to the person of Jesus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say a simple prayer and at the end of each sentence, I'm gonna pause to give you a chance to say it with me. So if that's you, if you're here today and you wanna take a faith step into a relationship with Jesus, say this prayer with me. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died and rose again so that I could have life and freedom and forgiveness of my sin. I repent and turn away from anything that I've done that did not honor you. You can have my past you can have my present, and you can have my future. Thank you for just now saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you just said that prayer, can I just see your hand across this place? Anybody here that said that prayer? I see you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Well, for those of you that just prayed, I wanna encourage you to take one more face step. If you just prayed that prayer... I wanna encourage you to look up at the screen behind me. And the worst thing that we could do as a church is introduce you to the person of Jesus, but then not tell you how that conversation should look, right, from that point on, what to do next. And so if you'll take out your phone, if you'll text, I prayed, it's one word, to the number 844-HRC-TEXT, what we're gonna do is we're gonna send you a five-part video devotional series of what your next faith steps are so that you can walk and do what God has called you to do. And so for the rest of us, High Ridge family, you guys go ahead and stand up with me. So honored to be able to bring the word to you today. Hopefully it was encouraging to you. And uh, next week, PT's back in the house, right? So we're so glad to have him back, right? I think so, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right, good. I do, line in church, just lightning. <laughs> okay, so, all right. So we're gonna go ahead and call forward our elders and their wives. And one thing that we always wanna encourage you to do is if you need prayer for anything, right? Pray about everything, right? So if you need prayer, if you want someone to join with you in prayer, we wanna encourage you at the end of the service to come pray with our elders. Um, we think this is one of the most beneficial things that we can do for you is that you're not doing life alone. There's people that are interceding with God on your behalf and we want that for you. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray and dismiss and then we're gonna have an incredible week working as though it's up to us and praying as though it's up to God. So Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you've done in this place. Father, I pray that you would empower us through the power of the Holy Spirit to do things and to live a life that we could otherwise not do. Father, I pray for those of us that are, uh, are struggling to 
take a faith step. Lord, I pray that you'd make it crystal clear what that step is. Father, for those of us that are taking steps way out in front of you that haven't prayed, haven't invited you in, I pray that we would slow down and have a conversation with you, invite you into our situation because you can do so much more in an instant than we can do in a lifetime of hard work. Father, I pray that this would be an incredible week for every person within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, Connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support, and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week, and we will see you next time.